You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, I, uh, I've got to say, I think that uh, Donald often takes a bit of a lead on uh, sorting things out for an all-nations evening. I think he's done particularly well this year to even bring the weather from another nation. Donald, I don't know how you did it, but uh, we're impressed. He's taken it to another level. We're going to, I don't know how we're going to beat that next time. You know, it's great, isn't it, to come together to remember, to celebrate some of the different nations that we're from, to put on the clothes, to think about the food, to celebrate, and to pray into what God is doing in the earth. But I do want to turn us this evening to the Word of God. I know it's hot. I'm not going to speak for too long this evening but I do want us to read the Word. If you've got a Bible, if you want to turn with me to Philippians 3, and we're just going to read from verses 7 through to 21, some verses, some words written by Paul. Philippians 3, verse 7. This is what Paul says, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already attained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I've often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is the word of the Lord. A letter written from Paul in one part of the world, a prisoner in one nation, writing a letter to a church in another nation in Philippi, in Macedonia. And he was writing letter to the church in Philippi. Philippi was an important city, a significant city. It was a Roman colony, 
but outside of Rome. It was a place where lots of military went. There were lots of military posted there who were currently in service, but lots of retired military would also retire there to this Roman colony, this place of significance, where people were away from home but still with an identity belonging to another place, proud to be Roman citizens, proud to be identified with Rome, connected to Rome, looking to Rome, and looking to their emperor, Nero. In a season when across the Roman Empire, the Roman emperor was viewed really as a god, and there was called to worship him as a god. And so you can hear almost Paul speaking into this language of Philippi. We're a Roman colony. We are citizens of Rome. We are looking to our emperor. And he calls to them and says, we are citizens of heaven. He's giving them a different narrative. He's writing these verses. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there. Paul in prison. The church in Philippi in another country, both suffering and persecuted in different ways, but Paul says our citizenship is in the same place. Different nations, but citizens of the same place. The truth is we all find our identity in something. There's none of us here today who don't have an identity. For some of us, it may be where we began life, where we grew up. I began life in Birmingham. When I say that, people then listen more, more keenly. They're like expecting me to say, all right, Bob. No, I was born in Birmingham and I don't talk like that. I know it's strange, but it's, it's me. Some of us find our identity in the culture of our parents, in our families, where we grew up, or where we find ourselves now and what we belong to. Paul says our citizenship is not in these things. It's not in earthly things. Our true identity, our true citizenship, where we belong is not to do with these things, but our true citizenship is in heaven. And he says we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's great to celebrate our diversity here today, our culture, our clothes, our food, the richness, the richness of the variety that there is across the room and across our congregation to celebrate what each other bring the influences that have shaped who we are. You know, often you can tell someone's citizenship by how they present themselves. We can tell where people come from. This morning I was sat on the front row and there were two, three people sat on the row behind me who were speaking slightly differently. In fact, they were talking rather like this. There were three wee girls, so there were. And I knew that they were not from, from England. I knew that they had come from Northern Ireland because they talked a wee bit differently. It was beautiful. It sounded better than that. They're... We can tell our citizenship sometimes by how we present ourselves. For those who watched the football yesterday, you could tell the Swedish fans not just because of their yellow tops, but because of their blonde hair and blue eyes. Their citizenship shows something of them. Sometimes our citizenship affects how we behave. You know, the Swiss and the Japanese have something in common. They are meticulous timekeepers. In fact, did anybody see in the news a couple of months ago when a train left a station in Japan 20 seconds early and it hit global news? I mean, 
I mean, there's people here who catch the train, you're thinking, if only, if only this could ever happen in the UK. Our nation is different. Our trains are different. There's something to pray for. You know, as the British, we are, in some settings, very polite. We like to queue. We are the queuing kings and queens of the world. The Kenyans, you know if you try to compliment a Kenyan, they give themselves away as Kenyan because they say, oh, we thank God. Jack, you did a great job today. We thank God. Nancy, that was an amazing meal. We thank God. I'm trying to thank you, but no, we thank God. Wonderful. We can tell people citizenship sometimes by how they behave, by what we see of them and how they speak. We need to be careful with those kinds of stereotypes. But often we can see something of people's citizenship in how they are. And Paul writes to the church in Philippi and simply says, wherever you're from, whatever your culture, whatever your favorite foods are, Mendazi or not, we are actually citizens of the same place. Not because we all have the same culture, not because we all have the same habits or the same place to live in, but we are all headed to the same place. He says we're all headed to heaven. And when he's talking about heaven, he's not talking about some place in the sky or some place in the clouds. You see, heaven is the place where God is. God is not physical. God is spirit. So it's not in a physical place. But heaven is where God is, where his kingdom is unchallenged, where he is Lord, where his will is unopposed, where everything is brought under his control. And we are awaiting our Savior from there, Paul says, with those whose citizenship is in heaven, eagerly awaiting our Savior Jesus to come from there. And this evening, simply I want to remind us that wherever we're from, wherever we began, whatever our status here in this country right now, wherever our earthly citizenship might be, our true citizenship is in heaven. The place where we truly belong is in heaven with Jesus, the Savior whom we are waiting. In this coming week, we have a young man and a family who will have appeal hearings because they've sought asylum here and been declined. One of them is from Pakistan, one is from Afghanistan, both countries that were in the top five on that video that we watched earlier. And you know, they, as part of their preparation for going for their hearings this week, they're seeking to show and to prove that they're Christians. They're having to prove that they're living as citizens of heaven, that they're awaiting a savior from somewhere else. They're being asked if they can show that they're serving God, being asked if they can show that they've got a passion for Christ, asked if they can show that they're sharing their faith and they're active in evangelism. And I found myself challenged. I thought, what if I was having to prove to a judge this week that I was a citizen of heaven? What if I had to prove to a judge this week that I was a follower of Jesus, that I'm a citizen of heaven? Could sufficient evidence be found from my life? Could anyone testify to it? And how about you? How about your life? Would there be enough evidence to prove that you're a citizen of heaven, awaiting a savior from there. You see, I know they could find out that I live in Coventry. They could 
listen to my accent. They might find out I was born in Birmingham. But would they truly be able to find out and find evidence that I'm a citizen of heaven? How would we fare? It's, it's challenging. Both of those appeals take place this Wednesday in Birmingham. It would be good for you to pray for your brothers and sisters. In fact, let's stop and just pray now for them. Let's just bow our heads. Father, we pray for our friends, our brothers, and our sisters today. We thank you that their times are in your hands. You know all things. And Father, we ask that they would find favor. We ask, Lord, that what happens in that court would only be able to deliver them into your purpose and your plan and what you have for them. And we pray for them that they would have peace in their hearts and they would know your presence so close with them. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And do keep praying for them through this week. So Paul says we're citizens of heaven. We're eagerly awaiting a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's going to bring everything under his control. And he says the difference is with those who don't have our minds on earthly things. With those whose minds are on the savior who we're awaiting. And earlier in the chapter, Paul makes it clear that he's utterly captivated by Jesus Christ. Utterly captivated. Just before the verses that I read today, Paul had listed some of the credentials he had within his own nation and culture. And he had some pretty impressive credentials. But then he says these things, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, I want to know Christ. He says that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Friends, there's nothing, there's nothing that compares to knowing Christ. There's nothing of equal value to knowing Christ. There's nothing that come close. No one that compares to him. Nothing that can come close to what he does in us when he comes close to us. He is matchless in his beauty, in his love, in his grace and mercy, in his majesty and holiness, in his glory. That's why Paul said the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul had become captivated by Jesus Christ. And he was awaiting his return as a citizen of heaven. And I want to ask us these questions this evening. Are you living as a citizen of heaven? Are you awaiting a savior from there? Are you captivated by Christ? Two weeks ago, I traveled to Lebanon to see the work of an ordinary church in the middle of an extraordinary work of God among Syrian refugees. And I heard story after story after story of people from a Muslim background who have met Jesus Christ in visions and dreams and become captivated by him. The pastor among many stories, told us this one of a young man who was 19 years old. He said this happened a couple of months ago. He said this young man came to him and said, I want to become a Christian. I want to talk to you. 
And he told the pastor, he said, my parents are fanatic Muslims. They're from Raqqa. For those of you who don't know, Raqqa was the ISIS headquarters of the so-called caliphate before it was taken back last autumn. So his parents are from Raqqa. He said, I want to become a Christian, but I know if I become a Christian, they may kill me. So the pastor asked him, why do you want to become a Christian? And he said, since my childhood, I've been attracted to Christ. I've been attracted to the cross, and I don't know why. So the pastor said to him, what do you know about Christ? He said, I know that he's the Lord of all, and I know that he came down to earth to help us. So the pastor shared with him the story of salvation. He talked to him about the cross and what it meant, and then he led him to give his life to Christ, and they prayed. And after praying with him, he talked with him about what to do next, what might next steps look like. And then before leaving, the pastor just asked if he would bow his head so he could pray for him once more before he left. And he put his hand on him as this young man bowed his head, and he prayed. And the pastor finished praying, and he looked up, and then the young man just kept his head bowed. And the pastor waited, and he waited. And eventually, after a little while, he said, uh, we're done. And the young man opened his eyes, and he looked up, and he said, I saw him. I saw him. He came down. He was here. He was opening his hands. He was welcoming me. And the pastor said, yeah, this is how much he loves you. And the young man said, this is how much he loves me. I want to go and tell my parents. And the pastor said, please don't do that. Please don't do that. But he did go and tell his parents. He went home and he told his father because he was so excited because he had met Jesus Christ. His father took a knife and attacked him. He managed to get the knife out of his father's hand, and so he put it to his own neck. And he said, now I am ready to die for the sake of Christ. He didn't die that day, but his father threw him out of his house. And like many other converts from a Muslim background, for those who choose to follow Jesus, he was threatened, he was shut out and persecuted by his own family. But he met Christ, and he wanted to know Christ more than anything else, because it is surpassingly great. And he changed his citizenship that day to live for his Savior, to await his Savior from where he is now a citizen. And so he could say, I am now ready to die for Christ's sake. I heard story after story, and they're for another time. So often people said they'd been attracted to Christ since they were young, but not always free to seek him or to find him. And yet they carried on seeking until they found him and then paid the highest price to enter into citizenship in heaven, to await their savior from there. This evening, we celebrate our diversity. We celebrate the cultures here within CLM, but I want us to focus on our unity in Jesus Christ, in knowing Jesus, in being those who are pursuing him, those who are, have our citizenship in heaven, those who together are awaiting a savior from there and living our lives here on earth for him, for his purpose, for his kingdom, for his glory.
And I'm simply going to ask the Lord as we finish this evening that by his spirit, he would enlarge our hearts for one another. He would enlarge our hearts for those from other nations, those that we know, those that are here in Coventry, and those that are still in their nations far from us, that we would cry out to him so that many more from across all the nations of the earth would come to know the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. And I wonder if we could stand together and open our hearts this evening. In Habakkuk 2.14, it says this, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Friends, he's on with the work in the nations of the earth, and he won't be thwarted. Nothing can stop him. And so let's open our hearts that we might fully be part, fully embrace all that he's doing and all those that he would bring to be our fellow citizens. Father, we thank you that when we were far off, you came and found us, that you sent us a savior who could bring us home to you. You sent us a savior who could make us citizens when we had no right to be. And we say thank you again this evening. And we thank you, Lord, that there are millions more to be citizens of heaven, but who have not yet found their way home. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would enlarge our hearts again this evening to love those whom you bring, to love those from other nations, from other cultures, from other languages, that we would love them and know that we are one with them when they come to you, and that you would give us a love for them even in this house, Lord. And Lord, that we would have a passion to pursue your purposes in the earth, the discipling of all nations, the filling of the earth with your glory. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of partnering with what you are doing, the redeeming of all mankind from every nation, every tribe, every language, to the glory and to the honor of your great name. And so we say thank you and we look to you. Amen. Amen.